city. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out another episode of A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, and I hope everyone's doing okay. A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole is a little podcast where I'll be digging through my vinyl collection of about 500 records, and also my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells, and taking a light-hearted, laid-back, positive fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different, pointless and set theme every episode. It really is just an attempt to archive some stories, interviews and great music for like-minded rock music fans. I will choose from any song part or artist that has given me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown, as they are stupid, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of chilled, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to support a musician by buying some tickets, music or merch, or listen to an old favourite album and check out some of this amazing shit that has formed the soundtrack of my life. a lot of people do like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think that I've missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at I will never check this email address at gofuckyourself forward slash cockgoblin that's cock spelt with a K and I'll get back to you as soon as I give a shit Seriously, if you do want to say hi, you can hit me up and follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole Podcast, or via the website, arockandrollrabbithole.com. I'd love to hear from you. The website also has Spotify playlists of all the songs used in each episode, past episodes, including the occasional bonus episode that I do, and some other golden magic. I also have small playlists of the great lesser-known artists that I highlight at the end of each episode on the Victims tab of the website. Please, please rate, review, subscribe and share the podcast if you're digging it. That is super helpful and appreciated. Thanks again, and here goes. Thank you so much again for listening. I have a lot of people to thank this week as last episode featuring Delamitri and Justin Curry had more downloads in a single week than any other episode so far. And we also hit 10,000 total downloads for all episodes during the week, which is very humbling and amazing to me. And I'm very, very grateful for anyone who has listened. Thank you. As I said, there's a heap to be thankful for and a heap of people I want to thank. So I shall respectively piss through all of the lovely humans names here. Hayden Meggett, Luke O'Connor, Sam Whaley, Glenn Turtle Howard, Chris Bristow, Chris Dash, Ali Connell, Cassie Van Gelder in Arizona. for some nice Delamitri chats, Gillian Earl, David Wilson, Morag McGough, 
the Facebook page Delamitri, The Opposite View, and also the Delamitri fan page for sharing last week's episode on Instagram and Twitter. I also had some nice Apple reviews from Rye Twist, which I think is Melbourne singer-songwriter Ryan Oliver, who we'll hear from in a few weeks. Hi, Ryan. Had a nice review from someone called Dr. Dad. And yeah, I'll check out Things of Stone and Wood. I only know Happy Birthday, Helen, but I'll check them out. And Hero Alligator in New Zealand. Thank you so much to anyone who's already done a review too. Thanks. Appreciate that. And I very rarely do this, but two quick recommendations. I got hit up by a guy called Fen in New Zealand, and I checked out his band called Lips, and they have a new single out called Heave Ho. It's very cool, kind of original 80s Devo, yeah, regurgitator vibe. And I've popped a link to the film clip on the Golden Magic page of the website, so check that out, arockandrollrabbithole.com, the Golden Magic page. Last announcement is my buddy Nate in LA has an Instagram page called Old Rock CDs and he's selling and just showing a bunch of amazing bootleg CDs and also doing some cool Instagram lives where he'll play some tunes from the bootlegs. Very cool stuff. So follow Nate at Old Rock CDs on Instagram and check out his magic. So back in episode 17, we did a deep dig on artists with animals in their names. I know there's a bunch of great songs that have animals in their titles, so for this episode, we'll do a rabbit hole dig on songs that mention an animal in the title. Episode 25, Animal Titles. Let's start off with a fun song from one of my favourite chilled listening records of all time, which is Prolonging the Magic by the band Cake. Sheep Go to Heaven by Cake. With some great borderline choir work in the chorus. shoes you've got the materials and you know the steps to do and you know at the end of the day you'll have a pair of shoes but riding's not like that you you don't know whether you're going to have something at the end of the day but you have to turn up there's that process of not knowing where you're going to find a good song does that still frustrate when you're on day three or are you like zen about it now like if i keep doing it good things will happen how do you manage those moments where the inspiration isn't clicking 
uh, often I might go and say, I'll learn someone else's song or uh, let's figure out the course of this song. Oh yeah. Or just try and remember some of my old ones because I, f I, f I forget some of the old ones unless I play them. So go back to it. That's what Hemingway did that. Did he? Yeah, so if you get stuck, go back and read some of your own work. Does the muscle memory kick back in at some point or do you actually have to actively go, what did I write? What, 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 what were the chords? Uh, yes, mu muscle memory. So. I started doing these shows called the A to Z shows about 13 years ago. There was 100 songs over four nights, so doing those shows regularly brought back a lot of those old songs. Because there's so much observation in your writing, I was a little bit curious about what the starting point for that was. Were you always the sort of kid that would sit back and observe people and, and write things down? Was that, was that the kind of young <laughs> Paul Kelly or, or is been, that not at all? I've been told. Really? No, I'm, yeah. All my cousins thought, well, he's weird. As soon as you start talking to someone, there's a surprise. I mean, there's no, there's no such thing as ordinary people. As soon as you start talking to them, there's no ordinary story. I'm pretty quiet. I listen more than I talk. You know, a writer needs uh, a lot of quiet, a lot of nothing time. You just need quiet time to write. And, uh, and I guess writing is fueled more by, you know, by doubt, whereas, whereas a performer needs confidence. So they're two completely different parts of yourself that you have to manage. But one help, can help the other, or they feed each other, or the quiet time, the writing time, and then, all right, got some songs, let's go, let's go and sing them. And that is very extrovert. Did the, um, did the performance aspect take time to acquire? Uh, when I first started performing, I found it very hard. Self-conscious and shy and didn't feel comfortable. That was legendary Aussie singer-songwriter Paul Kelly talking about his songwriting process. And the animal titled song that I have chosen from his huge catalogue is from his great double album called Comedy. The song is called I Won't Be Your Dog Anymore. I've been drinking muddy water And it tastes like turpentine I've been leaving muddy footprints up and down the Morgan line Crows are crying all around me In a sky where the sun refuses to shine I've been taking scraps from back doors double up on a song from episode 17 because we had the full story in there but I'll just pop the song in here another Aussie song with an animal in the title Tame Impala's Elephant
2000 when Odyssey number no. five came out, there was a song on that record called Like a Dog, which talks about the idea that the government of the time had been elected on the platform of Australians being relaxed and comfortable. By the year 2000, I would like to see an Australian nation that feels comfortable and relaxed about their history. Well, I think it was comfortable and relaxed and I switched it around for the lyric to work better. There's a lot of racism that is systemic. I've always written songs that have had a political element to them. They haven't always necessarily made it onto my records or onto Powderfinger records because they weren't good enough songs. That was Powderfinger's singer Bernard Fanning talking about their rocker, Like a Dog. Aussie dog song before we move on. I have no idea what's offensive or what's not offensive anymore, but I've always chuckled at the line, the French eat frog. True, they do eat frog, but it's probably offensive. I'm not sure. I always just thought it was an interesting line to put in a song. ACDC, dog eat dog. mentioned way back in episode two which was songs with girls names in the title was wild horses by the rolling stones here's ronnie wood and slash talking about the song i remember slash when he was a little boy peeping over the amps Mm. and uh, nicking all the ideas now he i'm nicking off of him you know what (laughs) i actually do you know did you know i went to uh i went and saw you guys at the coliseum with seymour and and uh you guys were 
uh, I think did two shows or one show. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. It was one of the f- first times I ever saw the Stones. Oh, I just stepped on the court. That's right. We do it all the time. It's the one I haven't spilled anything so far. Okay, there you go. Right. And you guys did uh, probably one of the, the best versions of Wild Horses I'd ever heard you guys do. Oh, that right. particular show. And I just played that song at Ali's 70th birthday. All right. Uh, well done. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. Oh, you played Wild Horses then? Yeah. Yeah. Did he like it? <laughs> he seemed to love it. Yeah. It was a really special Lovely man, isn't thing. it? Yeah. He was wonderful, and it was a, a, a big, huge tribute to him in Las Vegas. So there was all the heavyweights were there, you know, all the boxers, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, and, uh, Mike Tyson, Vander Holyfield, Clinton was there, you know, Oprah. <laughs> All oh, that Oprah. Kind of shit, yeah. Oh, right. So I never met Oprah. I actually, no, I didn't meet her either, no. but I knew she was there. All right. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty decent, pretty decent version of it. Check out the Golden Magic tab on the website, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, to see a great film of the Stones listening back to Wild Horses in the studio and a super wasted Keith singing along. And on the same tab on the website, you can see the rival sons doing a great version too. Speaking of Slash earlier, his mob also have a horse song. A song which Axel Rose plays guitar on the intro, Dead Horse by Guns N' Roses. Not that you care. I'm not the only one with whom these feelings I share. Nobody understands quite why we're here. Searching for answers that never appear. Maybe if I looked real hard, I'd, I'd see you trying to to understand this life that we're all going through. I like to play in the 
So my Beatles choice for an animal titled song is Dig a Pony. John Lennon often put nonsensical lines in his songs as he knew listeners would try and decipher hidden meanings when there wasn't any. And apparently he did this for his own amusement. A fan was found hiding on John and Yoko's property in England in 1971 and asked John about the meaning of his songs and whether he had written them directly for him, including Dig a Pony. And here's the recorded chat. There was no sort of particular security. And one of our assistants told us that there was this strange guy that was just staying in our gardens almost every night. John always felt responsible for these people because they were the result of his songs. That's how he felt. Don't confuse the songs with your own life. I mean, they might have relevance to your own life, but a lot of things do. So we met, you know, I'm just a guy, man, who writes songs. Yeah, I I figured that if we met, I'd know just by reading. But know what? It all fits. Anything fits, you know, if you're tripping off on some trip. Anything fits, you know. Boy, you're going to carry that weight for a long time. That's Paul saying that. Paul saying that? Well, that belongs to all of us. He's thinking about all of us. Remember that one, um, you can radiate everything you are, you can penetrate anywhere you go? Yeah. I was just having fun with words. It was a, literally a nonsense song, you know. I mean, Dylan does that. Anybody does it, you know. They just take words and you, have, you stick them together and, and see if they have any meaning. Some of them do, some of them don't. See, that last album of mine was me coming out of my dream. You can last your whole life on that dream, you know. And then it's all over. You weren't thinking of anyone in particular when you were singing all this. How could I be? How could I be thinking of you, man? Well, I don't know, maybe I don't care me, but it's all, it's all somebody. I'm thinking about me, or at best Yoko, if it's a love song. I'm saying, you know, I had a good shit today, and uh, this is what I thought this morning, and, uh, you know, and, or I love you, Yoko, whatever. I'm singing about me and my life, you know, and if it's relevant for other people's lives, that's all right. Are you hungry? The false start you'll hear when someone says hold it is Ringo wanting to put out his cigarette before they started. Bloody drummers. I've always loved this intro riff. Dig a Pony by the Beatles. J 
just as a side rabbit hole, here's some of George's great guitar work on Digger Pony soloed. to this week's episode, here's Ringo's vibe on a rumour of a reunion in the 1990s. John, Paul, George and Ringo. Rumours of their reunion began the day the Beatles broke up in 1970. Even John's murder 15 years ago did not put rumours of a reunion tour to rest. Couldn't sons Sean or Julian stand in for their dad? Ringo says, not a chance. You know, all this madness about, you know, the reunion with Sean or anybody, it's never going to work. It's never going to happen. Speaking of the Beatles, here's a few of their other animal-titled songs that I considered. Have you seen the little biggies? Rocky Raccoon. One more pony song. Oh, don't worry. I will play that one eventually. I have an episode planned called Songs Garth Plug Shouldn't Attempt to Sing at a Function. Here's a pony song from 2010 that could have featured in episode 7's Cowbells and also episode 21's bass intros. Kings of Leon, Pony Up. You were the only radio station in the world that didn't edit out all the swear words. It's because we're bad boys. That's why. <laughs> bad ass. That's asses. why we like you. Um, yeah. And I feel very, I feel very romantic about that time because it was the first time outside of our own country that we felt people listen to our music. What was that time like for you? Uh, it was a lot of um, s- sleeping on the floor of vans, sleeping in travel lodges. Um, on special occasions and 
there was quite a lot of booze involved. It's amazing because you talk about breakthrough songs and you talk about songs that start a band's career and you're just the perfect example of it. Debut single, the band had formed, what, a couple of years before Little yeah, Lion Man came out? we started, yeah. And then tell us about where and when you started writing this song. I think I started writing it in um, Devon at Ben's, Ben's parents' house. I'd been playing drums all my life up until, yeah, about, and, and even then was playing drums for Laura Marling. Um, but I was playing lots of different instruments for her, really. And, and then she in, had invited me up to start singing a couple of songs at the end of her gigs, which is um, when I first started singing kind of publicly. That would have been an interesting shift going, oh, actually, I, I reckon I could do this. Yeah, I mean, I played, you know, open mics and stuff at uni and then, and then was spending every weekend down in London with Winston was organising these club shows at a place called the Bosun's Locker. And I'd literally get the train down from Edinburgh where I was at uni down to London, which is like a four and a half hour train every week. It was just a really, really fun group of people. And we'd all just jump up and play um, with each other a lot. And then, and then if anyone ever had a new song, they were, you know, duty bound to jump up and play it. And that's when we sort of started the band. We were all band rejects, really, to start with. Were you, were you working as well? Yeah, I was, uh, I was a tour guide in London. I used to go and collect tour groups from the airport with a little sign, get them on a coach. <laughs> no way! Give them the microphone deal. Welcome to London. My name's Marcus. <laughs> I'll be your tour guide for the next 25 minutes. I'll and be then an award-winning artist in a few years' time. <laughs> that was obviously Marcus Mumford talking about Mumford & Sons' animal-titled F-bomb-dropping stomper, Little Lion Man. Weep for yourself, my man. You'll never be what is in your heart. Weep, little lion man. You're not as brave as you were at the start. Rate yourself and rake yourself Take all the courage you have left And waste it on fixing all the problems That you made in your own head But it was not your fault but mine And it was your heart on the line I really fucked it up this time Didn't I, my dear? Didn't I, my dear? There's a man there you know He's the host of the show And you'll find that he fucking hates choirs I'm not really sure where to start with this one. I must admit, most of the choir poop I get is American. Yep, I'm pointing my finger at you guys over there. But I can't expect you to clean up your backyard when this one was done here in Melbourne. And don't worry, I'll be looking through the films and if I recognise any faces, I will hunt you down. Especially the girls in this one. Nah, it's the boys too. Ugh. Now, if you like a lot of different food, doesn't mean you can get all that food and put it all in one sandwich and that sandwich will be edible. There was 2,000 Melburnians there and everyone let this through. Melbourne, you fucking disgust me.
Next up is an Aussie song from a huge album from Midnight Oil. The song is called Bull Roarer and the album is Diesel and Dust. In an interview, the band's drummer Rob Hurst explained a bull roarer, which is the noise that can be heard at the start of the song. And I quote, it's a sacred instrument. Only initiated men are supposed to hear the sounds. So we didn't use a real bull roarer, as that would have been cultural imperialism. Instead, we used an imitation bull roarer that school kids in Australia use. It's a ruler and a piece of rope wrapped around it, and we swung it. Bull roarer, midnight oil. up is a great groove song from an American-born Australian-based singer-songwriter who featured way back in episode 4's Drugs. John Butler with a song that also could have been featured in episode 19's Titles Not Lyrics. Zebra by the John Butler Trio or Zebra? Let's go with Zebra. Just like the come before the storm, boy, waiting for all 
favourite Bob Marley songs has an animal in the title, a buffalo. Buffalo soldiers were segregated black soldiers used during the American campaign to rid the West of Native Americans. The song was actually released two years after Marley's death, Buffalo Soldier by Bob Marley and the Whalers. song is a classic song that I came to hear through Faith No More's version. The lyrics were written by bass player Geezer Butler about Britain almost being dragged into the Vietnam War and there were protests in the streets and all kinds of anti-Vietnam War arguments going on in the UK. Here's drummer Bill Ward talking about some reactions to the song. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vets coming in to the shows and uh, they were in wheelchairs and, you know, they would have, like, a flag on their wheelchair. And... So they got children of the grave. They got Iron Man. You know, there wasn't... Uh, they didn't need to translate it or anything else. They felt it, they heard it, they enjoyed it. And when we played War Pigs, uh, God bless them, uh, nearly to a man, they all stood up and they were being held up. Uh, in their wheelchairs and when you see that uh, you don't forget that and um, I know I was going to cry this morning Black Sabbath War Pigs Generals gathered in their masses just like witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, larger! Yeah. 
double up now from a band with two animal titled songs that are at the total opposite ends of the rock spectrum. The first one is a beautiful open tuned instrumental called The Badger by The Tea Party. The second Tea Party song's title mentions an ant. I'm not sure if an ant is an animal or an insect, but an insect is an animal, and I'm a little bit Googled out, so it's in the episode. A song that live shows off Jeff Martin's two-brainedness for singing while playing counter rhythms on the guitar. Army Ants by the Tea Party. This one is not my favourite song by this artist by any stretch, but it is a bit of happy, fun, fluff. And it was this huge artist's first number one single in the US in 1973. The song's inspiration came to Elton John while on tour in Australia in 1972 and heard Oz band Daddy Cool's number one song, Eagle Rock. We actually did a deep dive on Eagle Rock in episode 11 and 12's Bird Songs. Elton John's lyricist, Bernie Torben, can be seen on the album cover for Don't Shoot Me, I'm Just the Piano Player, wearing a pin that said Daddy Who, which was Daddy Cool's merch at the time. Crocodile Rock by Elton John.
just one more note on Crocodile Rock. Elton John and songwriter Buddy Kay settled a copyright lawsuit in an out-of-court settlement. As Buddy Kay thought, Crocodile Rock sounded like his song from 1961 called Speedy Gonzales. Check it out here. Your dog is gonna have a puppy And we're running The next song is a damned if I do, damned if I don't song. Some Aussies will be annoyed if I play it and drunk Aussies will punch me if I don't. Although the song is an Aussie classic, it's actually written by Americans Ricky Lee Jones and Steely Dan's Walter Becker. The song is The Horses and it was a number one single for Daryl Braithwaite in Australia in 1991. Here's Daryl Braithwaite talking about the song. Was there a time when suddenly... The horses became a national anthem almost. I don't know. Um, I don't think I've done anything bar the fact that every gig we do, we go out to sell it as being the last one. So you just, you give it your all. And and with the horses, um, that really hasn't gone to sleep at all. It's just, it's kept maintained and maybe gotten bigger. But Maybe. But no, but you no get, doing... You get about eight minutes out of that when you do it live. Yeah, but <laughs> we've cut it back a little bit because... James Raines said it's shameless. Oh. <laughs> he does. Good on you, James. And here's Daryl Braithwaite asking that annoying question that every Australian musician gets asked if they play enough gigs. Do you know the horses? How does it go? Oh, God. Um. So first up, here's a bit of Ricky Lee Jones's original version from 1989 and then Daryl's version. We will fly way up high where the cold wind blows Or in the sun Laughing, having fun With all the people that you know And if the situation Should keep us separated You know the world won't fall apart And you will free the beautiful birds from Sydney. You guys should be ashamed of yourself too. I am feeling a little bit better because that was actually worse than the Melbourne one. So thank you, Sydney. Kevin Bacon also likes horses. She takes horses Yeah, she's nuts about horses She enjoys horses 
door Says yes she does She loves horse hair Horse teeth and horse noses She loves horse shoes And horses too She likes ponies But not as much as horses She likes horses Much, much more She likes unicorns but she calls them horny horses She loves horses Yeah, that's what she loves She doesn't like ghosts She don't like A small side rabbit hole of songs called Animal Check out episode 17 for the story about Def Leppard's Animal The Pearl Jam also have a great rocker called Animal Here's the band talking about Neil Young, Suicide And my favourite humans, Critics show you've just seen the 10th annual mtv video music award show quite a night and one of the big winners they're here with me now one of the great inspirational quality rock bands in the country pearl jam congratulations guys four nominations four wins including video of the year and a great set what was the song that you played up there the first one uh that was animal animal new song new song record. new record cool when's the record coming out uh tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow it's gonna be great october i think cool what was it like playing with neil how did that all come about uh, it's an amazing story. Uh, we did, we did what, what, what do you think it would feel like? What do you think? I it think it would feel tremendous. It felt great watching it. It was like well, going really to church. Need to ask, do you? <laughs> well, I think you might, you know, have a different point of view. It's, it was like going to church if you were, you know, into that. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, that, always, yeah. That was really terrific. And it's a good church. <laughs> good church. <laughs> Big church. Not a bad Real one. Church. An inspirational church. Yeah. You had mentioned Eddie. You had mentioned something up there about uh, it was sort of it's sort of odd to be giving out awards for art, which a lot of actors have said. You know, George C. Scott and Marlon Brando and turning down the Academy Award have said the same thing. Do you think it sets musicians against each other giving out prizes? Well, luckily, uh, the musicians are big enough to rise above any of that, you know. <laughs> but the concept is kind of strange. Best actor, how do you give that? They don't have the same part, you know. True. And uh, I just think any time you start critiquing art, uh, the media or, you know, uh, critics will start reviewing things against each other. You can't do that. You know, art, music, it's all interpretive. And uh, it's up to the individual. Uh, it's nice to uh, have affected some people and... Uh, you know, that's a positive thing. That's all you can ask for. And you know that R.E.M. song? You yeah. Know, that's all about what I was talking about, you know, like uh, trying to stay alive through all the, all the crap. You know, maybe music is the one thing that keeps you alive or something. You know, it's like you should probably thank, uh, you know, I would thank Pete Townsend. And I would uh, thank uh, Henry Rollins and Ian from Fugazi. I'd thank all these people for giving me, you know, something to live for, you know. A, a reason because life can you know it, it, this modern world it can be kind of crazy kind of fucked up make you want to kill yourself I relate to that you know mm. but uh, you know because of music you know save my soul <laughs> Animal by Pearl Jam had the working title of Weird A and the song is one I clearly missed in episode 3's Counting and Countins as Eddie Vedder repeats 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 against 1 in the intro Five Against One was also the original working title to Pearl Jam's second album, Versus.
Earlier on, we had a Paul Kelly song, I Won't Be Your Dog Anymore, and I wanted to put in another of his tunes, but a solo, live version of a song with some great lyrics in it. We're just like animals. It's a sunny Sunday But we don't want to get out of bed So we unplug the telephone Cause we've got bad things to do instead There's no one home Nobody with a name We're just like animals, just like animals, rolling and tumbling on and on. Just like animals, we rise and fall, and your loving comes on so strong. We're just like animals. It's a long, long Monday Working my fingers down to the ball When I get a little minute I call her up on the telephone She says, hurry home Please hurry home Just like animals, just like animals, rolling and tumbling on and on. Just like animals, we rise and fall, and your loving comes on so strong. Just like animals. Next up, we have another dog song. The crowd noise at the start of this track was actually lifted from studio tapes from Rod Stewart and the Faces live album, Coast to Coast. The bass line on this track was played by Herbie Flowers, who played one of the most recognisable bass lines ever. This is a song that briefly featured as a background song in episode 7's Cowbells from Hell, but didn't get a mention. David Bowie... Diamond Dogs.
Here's Bowie in 1974 talking about Diamond Dog's album cover and his image changes. Welcome, nice to see you. Thank you. So you've got a lot of explaining to do. Yes. I, uh, I, I feel like interview, I always feel I should interview like that character Peter Cook does, you know. What is all this prancing about a stage and trappings and all of that? But you don't, you don't have the trappings that you've had in the past. You're a little more um, conventional. Yeah, um, at this moment. What happened? Um, we did the Diamond Dogs tour and took it from New York to uh, Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And I felt that that was enough, really. Rather than come back with the same thing, I wanted to give myself um, an opportunity just to work with the band. Yeah. So a lot of the glitter is gone that we associate with you, and, and you've got an entirely new, new person now. A, a person of diverse interests, but not... Sure. Um, I'm not really very academic, but I'm, I, I glit from one thing to another a lot. Glit? Mm-hmm. It's like flip, but it's, um, it's the so 70s version. One letter later uh, in the alphabet. <laughs> this is incredible picture. It's very striking. If you, the first time you see it, I remember yes. the first time this album appeared in a uh, record store window. And it was, I could see it actually stopping traffic on the sidewalk. Uh, this is the picture you send to the draft board, obviously. Uh, saying that. <laughs> Keep this boy around. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I've only just got that. I didn't know English. Say, but... <laughs> How did that come about, that, that whole idea and that, that very painting? Uh, let me see. Um, well, it's uh, um, an artist from Belgium called Guy Pilar, who did a book called Rock Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. So I, I, nicked, I, nicked, I nicked the, um, well, I didn't nick the book, but I saw the book at Mick Jagger's house. And I nicked the idea of doing a cover. What does nicked mean? Oh, stolen. So. Stole the idea. Mm. <laughs> does this make you nervous to sit uh, without your band and, and with everything and just to chat uh, a little bit? Um, oh, well, let's carry on talking. Don't ask me that. Oh. Otherwise, I'll wonder. Oh, oh, so I'd, I'd rather not know if I'm nervous and talk. Okay, I won't, I won't worry about that. Okay. Where's the kick for you, what? David, in performing it, in performance when you're on stage? It, That's it. Complete. Really. The, the being there? Yeah. The entrance? Uh, I can imagine that it would be a very exciting profession. I mean, to stand there with that. There are people in the world who have never stood on a stage, those of us who have, forget this. I mean, to stand on a giant stage like that with a band behind you, a rehearsal today, I, I stood in for you. Uh, oh, right, I tell you. You know uh, what I mean? And the yeah. feeling of standing there with that sound coming behind you is very exhilarating. I had an incredible uh, feeling, and, and I got a lot of fulfillment from working in productions like Diamond Dogs or the Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Um, it, but it was one of, of putting together lots of bits and pieces and loose ends and directing the whole thing and remembering a thousand things at once. But yeah. the, so that was one kind of fulfillment. But now that I'm working just with the band and singing, which is something I haven't done for years, just stand there and sing my songs, yeah. I'm finding a new kind of fulfillment. I, um, I'll go back to doing productions. In, uh, you will? Oh, yeah. I, I just wanted to go out and sing my songs as a singer, songwriter, for a bit. We're nearly there now, and I'm going to do another double from one band that makes a triple pointer from a Swedish band's album from 2000. The first of the songs is a love song about a motor scooter, so what's not to love? I've always loved this singer's voice, and one useless fact, the B-sides to this single were recorded in Melbourne at the Hi-Fi Bar. Millen Colin, Fox.
day Well, I guess the much it cost I had to pay All of a sudden I brought her home She put on the kilos, dropped the silver chrome She's my woman, she's so right And she's the best rider I ever had She's my wife, she's so bad And she's the best rider I ever had When I imagine me and her And then the title does drive away She's my world, she's so right And she's the best ride I ever had She's my life, she's so bad And she's the best ride I ever had The second song from the Mill and Colin album Pennybridge Pioneers is the titled, not lyric, riff nugget, double animal mentioning penguins and polar bears. The B-side of this single was also another animal-titled song, Dinner Dog. My great buddy and ex-body jar drummer Ross Hetherington filled in for Mill and Colin on a Japanese tour when their drummer broke his arm skating in Melbourne. Bloody drummers. Hello, Sco. So that's the last of the animal-titled songs before I get to my favourite, but I want to include in each episode when I can an interesting, funny or different story about one of the artists or songs in the episode. And this episode's story is about Rob Hurst, the drummer from Midnight Oil. We were swept up with this amazing pub scene that was all the rage in the late 70s and early 80s. And you do it as, as long as hard as possibly you can, because if you don't, there's someone else that'll do it better. We decided we need a real lead singer, so I put an ad in the Sydney Morning Herald. A couple of people turned up, including Pete Garrett. And was it obvious that he was going to be the one as soon as he got behind the microphone? Well, it was obvious that he had something completely original, <laughs> special. Um, he may not have had the best voice on the day. That's true. That'll get back. <laughs> it already has. <laughs> Midnight Oil went on to become one of Australia's most successful music acts of all time. But just as the band was taking off, Rob's life hit a crossroads. You're 17 years of age and you discover that your then-girlfriend is pregnant. What was that moment like? So that gave me pause. The idea of um, taking on responsibility when I was just about to go to uni and I had this band or bands looking after a tiny child wasn't really part of the plan at all. Did you consider keeping the baby as a couple? No. Yeah, it was very brutal, Lisa, back then. Usually the young teenage mother was whisked away interstate. 
for a holiday somewhere and then the child was given up uh, for adoption almost immediately. Sometimes all the names were changed to protect the guilty. So we weren't told the sex of the child. They just said, you kids get on with your life. You'll never find this child. That child was Jay O'Shea. I was the adopted child that my mother always wanted. You know, you're special because we, we chose you and we brought you home from the hospital. And so much so, apparently, I was in Coles one day with my mum and somebody yelled out, special on tomatoes. And apparently I, I yelled out, I'm special, me, I'm, it's me, I'm special, as a, like a young child. So I think they handled it really beautifully. Music was a huge part of Jay's childhood, something that set her apart from her adoptive family. I just knew from a very young age that I could sing. It was just a passion from I could remember. 17 when she had a kid. Anybody else in the family a singer? No, no, not in, in the family that I grew up with, no. And then in your early 20s, you decided that you wanted to track down your birth parents. I wanted to know if there was anybody out there that looked like me, who could sing, who might be musical. And it just felt like a book that I could never read the end of. People were kind of really nice on the phone. Sure, absolutely, I'll look, up, look that up for you. And then I hit brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And this went on for a good six or seven years. Jay switched focus to her music career, moving to Nashville and forming the country music duo O'Shea with her husband, Mark. Then in 2010, Jay received the news she'd waited 35 years for. There was an email saying, your birth mother has made contact, how would you like me to proceed? And I remember bolting upright in bed and just falling my eyes out. And just knowing that it was real, I just felt it. I knew it was real. So how long did it take you to ask who is my father? She basically told me my story. What was your reaction? I think I just laughed to begin with. I just went, oh yeah, of course. That makes total sense. Crazy story. My husband and I were friends with Bones Hillman, the bass player from Midnight Oil. And so when we got that news, Bones and his wife were due to come around for dinner and my husband and I just looked at each other and just went, how on earth are we going to tell Bones that his best friend and drummer of the, of the band that he's been in for like years is my father? It's like the bold and the beautiful. It's like, <laughs> it's like this weird. We told them and just at that time, the phone rang and it was Rob. And I remember just feeling like my hand started to shake and I grabbed the phone out of his hand and I felt like it's a little girl and, hello, you know, and he said, hi, doll, how you going? A few months later, Rob and Jay met up for the first time. There were so many years and so many things to talk about. Of course, I had to tell Jay about my daughters, Lex and Gabriella, and they were, she wanted to know about their lives. They were wonderful, you know, and they very easily couldn't have been, you know, particularly uh, Rob's wife, Leslie, just absolutely welcomed me in. When did you first tell Leslie that there was a child out there somewhere? Uh, when, when the letter arrived in, in the letterbox. So she had no idea that uh, you had...
had fathered another child? Uh, no, it's something I'd just forgotten to talk about for 36 years. <laughs> that was a very big secret. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, Did you ever feel bad part, about keeping actually, that? I think it was part of the whole... about a part of your life that you are... You know, you've... would likely to be painful if you resurrected that. So I guess it was kind of a self-defence in a way. But, uh, yeah, I definitely should have mentioned it before that day. Let's take a short break and quickly recap the magic before I get to my favourite animal-titled song. Recapping the magic. So my favourite animal titled song is a song I also used in bonus episode number five's best single snares and I'm going to use it again because it's just so good. The song was played live for the first time at the Sydney Big Day Out Festival on January 25, 1996. Rage Against the Machine singer Zach said this of the song upon its release. And I quote... The wall in Germany fell and the US government was busy building another one between the border of the US and Mexico. Since 1986, as a result of a lot of the hate talk and hysteria that the government of the United States has been speaking, 1,500 bodies have been found on the border. We wrote this song in response to that. The song then made its television debut in April 1996 when Rage Against the Machine performed on Saturday Night Live. During rehearsals for Saturday Night Live, the band's crew hung upside down US flags on their amps, which is something that they did regularly on gigs. And the show's producers asked the crew to remove the flags, and they did, as they thought it may offend billionaire and presidential candidate Steve Forbes, who was hosting the show. And you don't want to offend a billionaire. How would they ever recover? Anyway, the band's crew replaced the flags just before the song was to be filmed live, and SNL's crew quickly removed the flags again before the song went live. After the song was played, the band were asked to leave the building and didn't get a chance to perform their second song. So my favourite animal titled song is the single snared intro glory of Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. The first vocal is often heard as quit it now, but he actually says come with it now. I'm a 
much again for listening. I really do appreciate you all taking the time to check out the podcast. As mentioned at the start, do check out Nate's Instagram page, Old Rock CDs, and tell him that I sent you and he'll add $10 to the total of each purchase, I'm sure. Thanks again to Rob Dean at I'm Running Out of Karate Kid References Studios and Paddy Cummings for the tech and web help. And as always, if you think I missed something, got something wrong, or could do something better in this free podcast that took me a few full days to put together and I had to re-record due to a fucking Apple issue, by all means, send me a grammatically correct email to me no likey, he no listen, at go fuck yourself Steve Jobs forward slash shitnuggets.com and I shall endeavour to get back to you in a timely fashion. But you can say hi on Instagram and Facebook, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole Podcast. And do check out the revamped website, arockandrollrabbithole.com, for all previous episodes, bonus episodes, and Spotify playlists of all of the songs used in each episode. Please subscribe, share, and especially rate and review the podcast on the Purple Apple Podcast app. This episode's been a bit of a tongue twister. Penguins and polar bears from Pennybidge Pioneers and and review the podcast on the Purple Apple Podcast app. My brain, no likey. I'm actually working on something sneaky behind the scenes to hopefully help me be able to continue with the podcast a bit longer and ratings will be a huge help. Thanks for those who have already done it and feel free to steal your buddy's phone and do it again or drop a quick review if you haven't done so already. I'd really appreciate it. Anyway, that's about enough from me. I'm going to watch this second instalment of the Rival Sons online gigs. Last weekend's one was great, so I'm looking forward to that. At the end of every episode, I like to add, when I can, an example of the week's topic by a lesser-known band, and this week's nugget is singer, songwriter, and all-round legend, Peter Barnes. Pete doesn't have any songs online, so give him a call between 2am and 4am, Melbourne time, and he will sing to you down the phone line. Pete's number is 0409 632 Check out the Victims tab on the website and I'll work out how to get some of Pete's magic up there. Monkey Song by Peter Barnes. Thanks again, guys. See ya. Talk about my buddy the monkey. I could talk about him for most of the night. You should have a chat with my buddy the monkey. You'll make you see, my friend, that you are not always right. You've got your mobile phone and your mobile home. It's never turned on and you sleep alone. Oh, well, their meat is dear and life is cheap. I can hear you silently weep in vain While we're on 
the topic of my buddy the monkey I think it's time for you to see that it's all your fault You've been running, 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 round on empty Trying to convince the people that you're something you're not You've got your mobile phone and your mobile home It's never turned on and you sleep alone A world where meat is dear and life is cheap I can hear you silently weep in vain Come on now my friend, there is no need to doubt me You know that we've been through all this before If you just chat with my buddy the monkey He'll make you see, my friend, that you are so much more Than your mobile phone and your mobile home It's never turned on and you sleep alone A world where meat is dear and life is cheap I can hear you silently weep in vain Oh, in vain in vain, silently weep in vain. Yeah, you thought I forgot the Scott.